If you have a Bible, let's go to 1 Kings chapter 18. We're in our series called, uh, we're calling this Kings, or calling this Presidents, Prophets, and Kings. And this series is all about uh, Elijah in the Bible. If, you, if you're brand new to our, our gathering, uh, we're going to read some scripture here together out of 1 Kings chapter 18. And, uh, and this story is really, I think, parallels a little bit of what's happening in our country because uh, it, the background on this, if you're just joining us for this series, we're in one story and one story only. And the reason for this series is because we believe the answer is not in the, in the White House, the answer is in our house. Come on, turn to somebody and tell them the answer is in your house. We, we have the answer that the world needs. And if we think electing a president is going to fix everything, we're sadly mistaken because that's not the truth. It's not that, I mean, it's good. It's good that we, ha- that we live in a democracy. It's good that we're doing this, but we can't just say, oh, that's going to fix it all. This is what the nation of Israel thought. See, they didn't have a king, and they wanted a king, and God said, I'm your king. And they said, well, every other nation has a king. We feel it would be good if we had somebody kind of showing us what to do and telling us what to do. And then if you look in Scripture, every king, it said, and they did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and they did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and they did evil in the eyes of the Lord. There were only a few good kings. It just didn't work for them. Now, when I say that, I'm not saying that our president or our presidents in the past have done evil in the eyes of the Lord, although I think we could all agree and look that there's probably some cases that that was true, but that's not what I'm trying to get said here. What I'm actually trying to focus on is not the president and the king. I'm trying to focus right now on the prophet because you are a prophet. Come on. You are a prophet. Say that with me. I am a prophet. One more time. Come on. I am a prophet. What do I mean by that? I mean that God, like Elijah, is calling all of us to stand up in this time of desperation in our nation and be different. He's calling us to stand up and call the church back to God. He's calling us to take stands in our homes and stands in our workplaces and stands in, on, on our campuses. And not, not a stand in a way that we point a finger in judgment. That's the, that is the sin of the church from past to present day, and we can't do that. I'm talking about taking a stand because I have the hope, I have the healing, I have the peace, and I have the purpose the world needs, and I'm going to stand for those things. Can we just agree on that? Amen. So, In this series, what we're talking about is what is God calling us back to? This is not a series about what God is calling the world back to. This is a series about what God is calling the church back to. See, the nation of Israel had been set apart by God, and and God came and spoke to the nation of Israel and was calling them back. And I believe right now the answer is in the seats, in the church. This is happening on our watch we, i got to own what's happening in our country today. And so God has given us this moment where we can say, what is he calling us back to in the church? We talked about worship. We talked about sacrifice. And today I want to talk to you about prayer, praying in a panicking world. Praying in a panicking world. So 1 Kings chapter 18, and if you're new to church, uh, you don't have a Bible, version is a great app. I encourage you to download that. And if you're, you're just joining us in the middle of this series, let me catch you up to speed here. The nation of Israel, the king, this is the worst king, King Ahab. He's like one of the worst of the worst. And, and so he has um, just done evil in the eyes of the Lord. So they, they are no longer worshiping at the temple. There's hardly any worship, any prayer going on in the nation. The altars have all been tore down, and they've raised up these shrines and these temples and these altars to the God of Baal. 
And so Elijah, God tells him to stand up against all that's happening around him. So he decides to have this showdown, and he calls hundreds of prophets of Baal to join him on Mount Carmel. They show up on Mount Carmel, and they're going to have the showdown. They're going to each pray to their God and see who answers. And so the prophets of Baal, they go first, and they cry out to God. They, they cut themselves. Um, they rave around the altar. So they had the first rave party in Scripture. Did not work. And, and so they're, they're just trying everything. Nothing works. Fire does not fall. And then it be, it's Elijah's turn. And so then Elijah calls the people over, he builds, rebuilds the altar because it had been tore down. We talked about that in week one. And then, and then he pours water over it several times. And then we come to this prayer. And let's read this together. It's in verse uh, 36. Go to verse 36. It says, at the usual time, this is funny, at the usual time for offering the evening sacrifice. In other words, they weren't doing it. They were not doing it. It's like at the usual time for church, and no one was in the house of God. The usual time for church for in, a, in the United States of America is what day? Go on one more time. What day is it? So it's as if what he's saying, at the usual time on Sunday, nobody's showing up for church. Okay? So at the usual time, Elijah the prophet walked up to the altar, and he prayed this prayer. Oh, Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, prove today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant. Prove that I have done all this at your command. O oh Lord, answer me. Answer me so these people will know that you, O oh Lord, are God and that you have brought them back to yourself. And then immediately the fire of the Lord flashed down from heaven. We're going to talk about the fire next week. And then it says all the people bowed in reverence and repented to God. I want to talk again about praying in a panicked world. Praying in a panicked world. God, in this moment we have, we stop and we pray. We thank you that your presence has already been in this house. Thank you, God, that you're already working. We're so grateful for the work you're already doing in here today. Would you speak now through the power of your spirit, speak to all of us, church, right now in this moment. Just ask God, speak to me, God. Would you speak to me? Speak to me in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Okay, you can sit down. So I love coffee. It's not a secret. And in my house, I have a coffee bar, although it is church, so I won't, I'll say I have a coffee station, okay, if that makes you feel more comfortable. Does our pastor have a bar? He has a bar in his house? I heard our pastor has a bar in his house. So I have this coffee bar in my house, and um, I, uh, let me show you a picture of it, and I'm showing you this picture uh, not to brag because it's really cool, uh, but simply to show you what I want to draw your attention to. Uh, the top there, you see there's two different kettles that are hanging on these hooks. Well, originally I had the one on the left, and then I, I got a new kettle, the one on the right, and I wanted to hang it, but I didn't have a hanger, okay? So that's critical to this story. And I only had the one hanger, but I, and so I had to go looking for the matching hanger. Anybody with me that? Where you're like, oh, I've got to have the matching piece that goes with it. That's so frustrating. But I had bought it from a local hardware store, and I don't want to say the name of the place because, well, it was really a low point in my week. So I won't, I won't throw them under the bus. Uh, and so I went out to this local hardware establishment, and, uh, and it was the end of the season, and it's actually a hook for plants. And so they were sold out. I was like, it's no problem. I got several locations around town, so I drove to another location later in the week. I, I was mapping out my day, and I was like, oh, I'll be over there later in the week, so I went to this other location. Went there. They didn't have it. 
And then I was like starting to get a little bit frustrated because I was like, I can keep going to other locations, but they probably won't have it either. Anybody? Anybody been with me? Okay. And so I said, wait a second. It is, it is 2020. We do have the internet and we do have apps. And so I, I looked on their site and you could actually put in what you want and it would give us a store locator. Okay. Never used one of those before, but it said they had five of them in Bixby. I was like, five? Sweet. I'm headed to Bixby. So I drove across town to Bixby, went in to where they have the plant hangers, and I looked, and do you think there were five there? No, there wasn't even one there, okay? I was so frustrated, called somebody over. He looked, he could not find them. I went up to the front, and I said, hey, went to customer service. They said, you got five of these, do you, but, but I went back there. They're not there, and the manager said, sir, let me go check for you, and she started to walk back there. I'm like, no, no, I've already, I've already, I've uh, you know what I'm talking? And then she comes back. She goes, you're right, sir. We don't have any. 20 minutes later, she comes back. And then she says, well, we could order it, but it doesn't look like we can order. It looks like we're out everywhere. And I was so frustrated. So I went out. I sat in my, my truck in the parking lot. And I did what I know what so many of you are thinking I should have done in the first place. I went on Amazon, and I found two brackets that were matching that were less than the bracket I wanted to buy, and it was at my house in two days. Why didn't I start there? You know, when it, when it comes to prayer, I think for many of us, this is our pattern of prayer. We tell God what we need, and then nothing. No answer. It doesn't come, and we think, well, okay, I'll, I'll pray again. And so you, you pray again, and then and, and nothing. Then you think, well, okay, I'll go to church. I'll go to church. I'll sing louder in church. I'll, 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 I'll participate, I'll, I, and, and then I'll pray, and then, but still nothing. You're like, I'll turn in a prayer request. I'll use the prayer request, and, I, and, and I'll have the prayer team. I'll have them pray every day for 30 days, and I'll pray every day for 30 days. I'll even mix in on sprinkling a little bit of the Friday fast and come to the end of the 30 days and nothing. And you just get so frustrated that you know, like, forget it. And we just give up on prayer. Like it just, it does not work. I'll just go do something else. I'll figure it out on my own. And I think the problem with that is that we make prayer transactional and it was never meant to be transactional. We treat God like he's an app or he's customer service, or he's Amazon, and here's what I need you to deliver, and I need it in two days. Here's what I need you to fix. Here's what I need you to pray, but I need you to do. But prayer was never meant to be transactional. Prayer was meant to be relational. We're supposed to be praying to God not as a transactional God, but as a, he's a relational God. Now, when I, I say that, you're, I know what so many of you are thinking, Brad, are you kidding me? Like, I struggle enough just praying about the needs that I have. I, I, what in the world is a relational prayer? Like, I, that blows my mind. I, I get a relationship with a person, but how do I have a, how do I, how do I do this thing called relational prayer? You are not alone, by the way, in that feeling. The disciples walked with Jesus for three years. For three years, they walked with him. They watched him pray over and over again. And finally, they cornered Jesus one day, and they're like, look, we have seen you praying, and you are killing it. Could you teach us how to pray? And Jesus is like, well, sure, absolutely. And then he gave to them what we know today as the Lord's Prayer, the most famous prayer in all of Scripture. 
Now, when you look at this prayer that Elijah prays and you look at the prayer that Jesus prayed, the Lord's Prayer, you see how similar the two are, that actually the prayer that Elijah was praying was a relational prayer. And the prayer that Jesus prayed, the Lord's Prayer, was actually meant to be not a formula, wasn't meant to be a cadence that you have. It wasn't meant to be a prop or, or something you just say repetitively over and over again. It was actually what Jesus was trying to show us is the heart of God. How do we get to the heart of God? How do I, how do I get into relationship? And it's actually a relational prayer. Now, in 2020, I started praying the Lord's Prayer. I have never prayed it. I've been following Jesus for over three decades. I've never used the Lord's Prayer as a model because, frankly, I always saw it as mechanical. I always saw it as this, you know, you da, 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 okay? I've even heard methods on how to, how to pray the Lord's Prayer. You start with this, you move to this, you move to this, you move to this. Anybody ever heard those things before? You've been in church long enough, you've heard those? A few of you have, some of you have not. They're, are, they're out there. Like, you break down the Lord's Prayer and you pray like this, like this, like this, like this. And the problem for me, the reason it never, never took, the reason it never, I never really connected with God is because it was always transactional. I prayed the Lord's Prayer like it was transactional, and the Lord's Prayer was never meant to be prayed transactionally. The Lord's Prayer is actually meant to be prayed relationally. I, I was awakened to this by a guy named Daniel Henderson. I read a great book that he wrote on the Lord's Prayer. And, and when I read that book, I realized this is a relationship that God wants to have with me. So I want to share with you very quickly some of the things I've learned. Now, I'm going to go pretty quick through a lot of this stuff because in January, we're going to begin the year and we're going to be opening this up even deeper and looking at the Lord's Prayer and how can we pray relationally. So I'm going to do the same thing that some of you have seen done through the years, but we're going to look at it through the lens of it being relational instead of transactional, okay? So here's the first thing I want you to write down. Relational prayer begins with worship and wonder. Relational prayer begins with worship and wonder. Look at Elijah's prayer. Elijah said, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. What's Elijah doing in this moment? In this moment, what he's doing is he's reminding the people of who God is and the position that he is supposed to hold in the nation of Israel. Now look at Jesus' prayer. Jesus starts his prayer and he says, Our what? Our, our what? Our, our Father in heaven, may your what? Name be kept holy. Same, same deal. Jesus is doing the same thing. Like, Laura is my wife. That, that's the position that she holds in my life. That, that's who she is. It announces to everyone around me, she's taken. Y'all better back off right now. She belongs to me. I belong to her. It's, it's the position that she holds and who she is. So what worship and wonder is, when you begin your prayer with worship and wonder, all you're doing in that moment is you're stopping to acknowledge who God is and the position that he holds in your life. In other words, you're starting with this position of like, oh yeah, you're the God of all creation. You're the God of the universe. You're sovereign. You are all-powerful, all-knowing, but not only those things, but Jesus says, don't forget, he's your father. I don't know what your earthly father is like, but your heavenly father loves you. Your heavenly father wants to be around you. Your heavenly father wants to spend time with you. Your heavenly father cares about you deeply. Your heavenly father wants to watch over you. He wants to protect you. He wants to take care of you, guide you, and support you through all things. 
This is who God is. Relational prayer begins with worship and wonder. Next thing I want you to write down is this. Relational prayer requires surrender and submission. Relational prayer requires surrender and submission. Elijah prayed this. Prove today that you are God in Israel and that what? Say it with me. I am your servant. Prove that I've done all this at what? At your command. Again, the people of Israel, what did they done? They'd stopped worshiping God. They stopped worshiping Jehovah and Yahweh. The, the uh, uh, altars had been torn down. The temple no longer worshiped. They'd raised up these idols. They were no longer thinking about God, but they were worshiping and bowing and, and coming under the authority of false gods. And Elijah in this moment says to the nation of Israel, uh-uh, not me. That may be how you roll, but that isn't how I roll. I think that's what you and I, as people of God, we need to stand up in our homes, in, wherever we are, and say, no, I, and say to God, man, I am your servant. I know what's happening in the world around me, God. I even know what's happening in your church today, God. I know that other people have gotten distracted. I know that there's people that, that say they love, your, love you and they care about you, but they never think about you, but not me, God. I am your servant. That's what Elijah is saying. Jesus said it this way, may what? your kingdom come soon. May what your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I have a Amazon wish list. I've mentioned Amazon twice now, so I'm hoping to get some kickback on that. How many of you have an Amazon wish list just to see? Some of you? Okay, a good percentage of you do. Okay. So on Amazon, you can go on and then you can heart different things. Like if you were to look at my personal wish list, uh, on there, I've got uh, Jerry Seinfeld's brand new book. I, I want the Jerry Seinfeld book. I'm excited about that. I've got Sleepy Time Tea on there uh, because I'm learning the art of sleep, and I heard that really helps. And, and uh, I've got uh, an album on there I'm wanting for Christmas by the band. Uh, and you're, some of you are like, which band? The band. Up on Cripple Creek Band. I, I, I just want that album. We got one fan in the house. I ain't clapping for Jesus, but we're clapping for Robbie Robertson and the band. All right, that's good, though. Right. Some of y'all are going to go home and Google that. What is that? The band? I've never heard of that before. Yeah, so enjoy it this afternoon. You're welcome. I also have a cheese grater on there. So I have weird eclectic things on my list, okay? I want, I want the band and I want a cheese grater. I want, so what is on your list? I want you just briefly, just for a moment, I want you to turn to somebody. What's, what's, if you have an Amazon list, what's on your list? Or, or maybe what is it you, you're wanting right now? Just turn to somebody, just have some fun, share for just a second, okay? Just real quick, just turn. All right, let me just cut it right there. What, what, if, what if instead of telling God what's on our list, what if, we, what if we began to ask God what's on his list? What if we began to pray instead of my kingdom come, my will be done, what if we began to pray your kingdom come, God, your will, God, what is it you want? I think one of the number one things all of us desire, every person on planet Earth desires, is to hear the voice of God. We want to hear God's voice, and God wants to speak. Problem is we're not listening. He want, man, he's, there's things he wants you to do, things he wants you to be. There's dreams that he has for you. Can I tell you the number one way to hear the voice of God? Through the Scriptures. Pray the Word of God. 
we have a, a daily devotion that we send out every week. It was in your inbox today. And if you don't, if you don't get the email updates from us, I encourage you to sign up at corechurch.com or fill out a card today. Drop it in the, in the box. We'll make sure you get that. Jump on social media this week. You'll see the daily devotion church-wide. We're going to be praying through the Lord's Prayer this week. And when you open up the Word of God and you don't come with your agenda, but you go to the Word of God and you go, okay, God, what do you want to say to me? And you read and then you stop. Problem is, most of us, if we're honest, I know what I need, I know what I want, and I start hunting in the scriptures for the answer for it. I start hunting in the story for the answer that I need. Instead of going, I'm coming with a blank slate today, God. I'm just going to read this scripture, and I'm going to sit in it for a minute, and I'm just going to let you speak because God will speak to you. Things he wants you to do, things he wants you to be, dreams that he has for you will come right out of the word of God. So when you find yourself saying, I never hear from God, you got to ask yourself, am I opening the word of God because he wants to speak? So relational prayer begins with worship and wonder, but it also requires surrender and submission. But relational prayer does include needs and requests. Write that down. Relational prayer does include your needs and your requests. Elijah, in the middle of his prayer. <laughs> I love it. It's just simple. Oh, Lord, answer me, exclamation point. How many of you pray exclamation point prayers? Three of us? Really? Oh, my goodness. I was praying one earlier today, this morning. I was like, exclamation point on that one, God. I need something, and I need something right now. That's what Elijah's doing. Okay, fire would be good about now. Jesus said it this way. In the middle of his prayer, he said, give us today the food we need. Elijah and Jesus are both reminding us that God cares about my needs. Oh, that's good news. Turn to somebody and tell them God cares about you. Come on, tell them God cares about you. This is what I love about relational prayer. Because when you sometimes you think, well, I shouldn't be praying about my needs. Yes, you should. Because Every relationship you're in, don't you want to know what their deepest desires are? Don't you want to know what their needs are? And when people start sharing with you their deepest desires and the, and the struggles that they're having, doesn't that draw you into them? It does the same thing with God. When you let him know your needs, like a father, he draws in close to you, but it also causes you to draw in close to the father. You ever been around somebody that has a, a one-track mind? It doesn't matter what you talk about. It doesn't matter what, what the subject is. Somehow, some way, they're going to bring it back around to what they want to talk about. You know that uncle that shows up at Thanksgiving? You know what I'm talking about? You're like, oh, great, here we go. He's going to talk about, he's going to talk about Donald Trump. I know it is. It's going to happen. He brings everything back to Trump. I mean, just, you know, you got that person that always brings it back to that one thing. Like, come on, ladies, you know every man in this place has got a one-track mind, Right? There's only one thing that we ever think about. Yeah, you know, sports. I mean, we're just always thinking about sports. Every guy in this place, you know what every woman thinks about and what it's always going to come back to, right? Essential oils. Every time. That's all they're thinking about. That's all they're talking about. That's all they want to bring it back to is essential oils. Let's, our, our needs... Our needs should be part of our prayer, but our needs shouldn't be our only prayer. 
So pray about your needs and your requests. The next thing I want you to write down is this. Relational prayer embraces confession and repentance. Relational prayer embraces confession and repentance. This could be perhaps the most neglected part of our prayer life. Elijah, in his prayer, says this. You have brought them back to yourself. Other translations say it this way, you have turned their hearts back to you again. That's what repentance is. Repentance is turning and going the other direction. It's turning from who I was, my rebellion, the things I desire, my needs and what I want, and the things that are bringing about destruction in my life and in this world. It's turning from that and turning back to God. Jesus in his prayer said this, forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. Anger and division are rampant right now in our country. Would you not agree? Have you ever seen our country more divided? And have we ever really had, in my lifetime, a darker day than right now? And the thing I hear people saying, which is so good, is they say, man, we need to to love one another. I mean, the world says that, not Christians, but everybody says, man, if we would just learn to love one another. Can I tell you the greatest expression of love is forgiveness? That's the greatest expression of love. That's the whole problem right now in our country. Nobody will seek forgiveness. Nobody will seek restoration. Nobody is coming forth and and repenting. Nobody. That's the key to any successful relationship. You know that and I know that. What divides couples? What divides families? Unrepentant hearts. What brings families back together? What brings uh, friendships back together? When you come and you say, you know what? I'm sorry. That wasn't cool. That wasn't right. And it endears you to someone because trust is built up in that moment. What is it? I mean, God. God did the greatest expression of love through the cross. He, he, brought, he, he said, all right, I, for God so loved the world that he gave, that he came to forgive He said, I want to show you how much I love you. I'm going to forgive you. And the greatest expression of our love back to God is to seek his forgiveness. Is to humble ourselves and say, I did get that right. I messed that up. And God isn't waiting to chastise you, to send you to a sinner's hell. He's actually waiting to restore you. Because that's what love and forgiveness do. It brings restoration and it brings healing. If you are not a follower of Jesus or if you have sin in your life today, what I want you to know is today you can receive healing. Your relationship with God can be healed through one prayer that says, will you forgive me? So relational prayer embraces confession and repentance. And here's the last one, relational prayer brings God's presence and his power. I want to invite our, our worship team to come and uh, get in place. But Elijah said it this way, answer me so these people will know that you, O Lord, are God. Relational prayer brings God's presence and his power. Relational prayer brings God's presence and his power. Jesus said it this way, rescue us. 
Rescue us from the evil one. Turn to somebody and tell them, he will rescue you. He will rescue you. What Jesus and Elijah are doing in this prayer, in this moment, in this part of the prayer, is they're asking God, will you display your presence and your power? Isn't that what we all want? We want him to display his presence and his power. And Elijah, like, he saw the presence and power, like, Fire from heaven fell. I mean, he saw the presence and the power of God. And I believe, like Elijah, God was looking for someone. He was looking for anyone that was calling out his name. And he saw Elijah and he said, I will respond if there is only one. And I believe God is saying that to you. He's saying that to me. He's scanning right now our country. He's scanning our cities, scanning our homes and our campuses and our workplaces. And he said, is there anyone calling out my name? And when you stop and you call out the name of God, he responds with his presence and his power. About a week and a half ago, I was sitting in the front room of our, of our main building here right out there. And I'd just gotten the news about starting... Uh, Core Church, Addis Ababa, Ethiopia. And I got news that it was official, and we got the government stamp, and can we celebrate that for just a moment? Can we just like, this is amazing. Like, I just go, I don't get tired. I don't I get tired of celebrating that. Like, man. I ain't gonna lie, I wept like a baby. One of the greatest days of my life. Wow, God, are you kidding me? In the middle of a pandemic? We're starting a church halfway around the world. And I can't even get over there. I want to send a mission team. And some of y'all have been coming to me going, can we go? Can we go? And I'm like, I, I want to go. We need to go, but we can't go. And I'm sitting in that front room, and I'm praying, and I'm just thanking God. And I'm saying, how, what are we, how are we going to do this? And what is this going to look like? And it was, that, it was, remember how cloudy and rainy and awful it was for like, I don't know, two weeks? It was cloudy, and it was rainy. And then all of a sudden, the rain stopped. And the clouds parted just enough that the sun began to shine through. And I snapped this picture. And it was like God in that moment just said, I see you. I see the people of Core Church. Oh. It's like God was saying, you guys are making me smile. And I, I not only knew God, but I felt God. I felt him. I felt his loving embrace. I felt a God say to me, man, I'm proud of you. Don't you want to hear that from God? Man, I'm proud of you. Do you know that he says that? Even in the midst of whatever's happening in your life, he's like, man, I, oh, wow. I'm so proud of you. Yeah, God, but I, 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 you're my kid. I'm proud of you. But God, I, 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 I keep doing. God says, man, I'm proud of you. You can experience the presence and the power of God. But you can't experience you can't experience the presence of God if you're not fully present. 
you got to be fully present. I don't know what it happens in our world today, but we're so addicted to noise. And we just noise, and it's coming from everywhere. And, and I, I'm so guilty of this. Like, you get somewhere five minutes early for an appointment or, 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 or a lunch or whatever, and instead of just sitting there, what do you do? You, we pull out our phones, don't we? I'm going to fill up that time. Commercials come on, I'm going to fill up that time. I can quickly check something on an app until it gets back to whatever I was watching. You, you, man, we, we just fill up so much noise, and, and I believe what it's creating in our society is incredible stress, anxiety, and FOMO to another degree. And, and if, you, if you want to have a relationship, you've got to create relational space. You've got to push things back. You've got to, you've got to make room for it. I, I love Moses in Scripture. Moses went away from the children of Israel, and he went up on Mount Sinai. And when he went up on Mount Sinai, he was alone with God. And the Scriptures tell us in Exodus that God talked to him like a friend. Like a friend. I want that. But it requires space and so what, what would happen if you took like five minutes? I just want to, what if you just took five minutes, pushed back the world, and just said, I'm going to sit with God? Just like five minutes. How, okay, show of hands. Come on, let's just be honest. And say, how many of you think, okay, I could take five minutes, okay? I could take five minutes and give that to God. I could do that. Yeah, I mean, okay, all of us can. Well, we got time. Why don't we do that now? What if we did that right now? What if in this moment you just said, I'm going to take five minutes and we're going to sit with God. And I'm going to let him talk to me. You might want to open up Matthew 6 and look at the Lord's Prayer. You might want to open 1 Kings 18 and look at the story. Let God speak to you through the, through the scriptures. And you might want to just sit and just bask in the wonder and the awe and the majesty of who God is. Maybe, maybe, maybe this is a moment where you say, I, wow, I need to repent. Maybe it's a moment where you're like, I, I don't remember the last time I practiced repentance. Maybe you just sit for these five minutes and you go, I'm going to look back over my week. I'm going to look back over the last 24 hours. God, search my heart. Maybe you just want to sit in the presence of God. You just want to sit with Him. You're like, Brad, my, my mind's going to wander and I'm going to be thinking about 10 different things. Yeah, but, but you're sitting with God. So let's do this. We're going to just take five minutes and let's sit with God.